Good morning. How many of you are like fully here? We lost an hour of sleep? Everyone still fully here? All right. Uh, Ian uh, gave me the subject of wisdom uh, to talk about uh, this morning. And, uh, oh, by the way, I, I feel like my brain, I feel like I've been in wisdom literature. Anyone who knows wisdom literature, reads the book of Proverbs, um, it's very punchy in a way, and just in the sense of it's sort of like truth after truth after truth after truth, and it's not necessarily like a, a fluid of thought, but rather a little bit more punchy. And so I feel like my thinking this morning is very proverbial. I'm, I'm punchy, so I'm kind of all over the place. I, not in a bad way. I don't mean I'm aggressive. Uh, don't want to trigger anyone. But uh, yes, I'm feeling sort of punchy. So we're going to get to that. What I was going to sort of step back and just comment on is the fact that I'm wearing my coat. So, so there's two reasons why I'm wearing my coat. One, I was working in my so-called uh, little office in the basement of our home this morning, and it's actually really cold. And since such time, I haven't actually been able to warm up. So I thought, you know what, I'll just leave it on and I'll feel comfortable. Two, uh, there's, there's a certain someone in this room who is regularly uh, calling out my clothing and suggesting that I don't have enough of it. And uh, I won't mention any names, surely. But uh, I also thought that I might just keep it on so that she sees that I'm adding to my wardrobe uh, with, with some regularity. Um, so thank you for that. Um, yeah, so we lost an hour of sleep. How many like daylight savings times? Anyone? Yeah, some do. How many don't? There's a big move to like have it just abolished. And people are speaking really uh, passionately about this. Um, but yeah, I thought, okay, I'm speaking on wisdom, and we just lost an hour of sleep. So probably first, we should make this as quick as possible, um, because I know people might be tired. And two, I think the last time I looked on my phone, because that's where we get all our information these days, uh, it says that it's supposed to be 11 degrees this afternoon. Is that right? Right. So who wants to be in here listening to me when you can get outside and enjoy the sun? And I'm with you because I don't want to be in here listening to me when I can be outside enjoying the sun. Um, I will say this again, just as sort of like a little side. Get out sometime today and enjoy the sun. Uh, there's actually just something very nourishing to the soul. Uh, when we get outside, we breathe fresh air. And I think especially in the wintertime, when we feel the warmth of the sun on our bodies. Uh, so if it is at all in your power or ability, uh, get outside for a walk today or something and just breathe it in and feel it. And uh, I think that will be good for all of us. Um, Wisdom. It's an it's a, it's a f- interesting subject. Uh, again, I, I often laugh when Ian asked me to cover certain topics, and, uh, and I thought, okay, I think I can, I think I can do this. Um, I don't know how wisdomous I am, uh, but again, I had sort of two thoughts that could make this message really, really brief. One, uh, the question I first had was, who am I to share wisdom? Uh, the Bible is really clear that wisdom comes from God, so wouldn't it be better if I just shut up and let you listen to God, right? So I, we could just say, well, listen to God and go home. Anyone in? Okay, maybe, yeah, all right, one, thank you for your honesty. Uh, 
there's another thought that goes through my mind, and that is my dad, who, don't get me wrong, was a very, very, like, an amazing father. I'm blessed to say that I had an amazing father. But he did often joke about things, and in the area of wisdom, he used to say that this somewhat well-known expression, better to remain silent and thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. And so on that note, I also go, I just want to put my microphone down, and we can just go home. Um, Wisdom is sort of a funny subject because it's something I believe that, that we all desire. And yet, I think when we sort of look across sort of our cultural and societal landscape, uh, we're not seeing copious amounts of it being employed. And, and I think there are lessons that the scripture specifically has for us around wisdom that we would be wise, pun intended, to return to and look to. Um, as I was uh, stepping into this um, and, and beginning to you figure out what I, want, what I wanted to speak on and, and the direction we wanted to move, um, one of the things I thought, you're not supposed to see that yet, but anyways, that's okay. That's Ashlyn when she was young, sorry. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about uh, is just the as I mentioned earlier, the speed and the pace and the, the, the incredible uh, push forward and growth of anxiety and fear within our culture today, um, it's, it's, it's off the charts. Um, as a youth worker, I see that in our, in our teens Um, Anxiety is, in fact, the number one diagnosis of adults right now. Um, And so I feel like, as I was preparing, one of the things I thought was, maybe we could just uh, slow down for a second. And that'll be good for me as well, as I'm feeling proverbial and punchy. There's a beautiful prayer in this book. And the prayer is called, I Need to Breathe Deeply. Um, So what I'd like to ask is that you would just uh, close your eyes for a minute. And to the best of your ability, uh, quiet your soul. And if you need to, uh, just breathe in and out uh, really methodically. Let me pray this prayer. Eternal friend, grant me an ease to breathe deeply of this moment, this light, this miracle of now. Beneath the din and fury of great movements and harsh news and urgent crises, make me attentive still to good news to small occasions, and the grace of what is possible for me to be, to do, to give, to receive, that I may miss neither my neighbor's gift nor my enemy's need. Precious Lord, grant me a sense of humor that adds perspective to compassion, gratitude 
that adds persistence to courage. Quietness of spirit that adds irrepressibility to hope. Openness of mind that adds surprise to joy. That with gladness of heart I may link arm and aim with the one who saw signs of your kingdom in salt and yeast, pearls and seeds, travelers and tax collectors, sowers and harlots, foreigners and fishermen, and who opens my eyes with these signs and my ears with the summons to follow to something more of justice and joy. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Wanted to show a quick video and then just share a few uh, of my of what I believe is uh, true insights from from uh, specifically the book of Proverbs, but then just wisdom. What does the Bible actually have to say about wisdom? Uh, this video is um, a it's about an eight minute video, uh, but it's really good. Um, has anyone ever heard of the Bible Project? If you've heard of the Bible Project, raise your hand. Yeah, a couple? Okay. The Bible Project is super cool. And if you're ever wanting to sort of understand uh, a book of the Bible, what it means, um, the flow of it, um, it is a tremendous resource. When I watched this on the book of Proverbs, I actually asked myself, why did I spend tens of thousands of dollars going to Bible college when I could have watched a YouTube video? Bit of an exaggeration, but kind of not. So I just want to show this video because I think it, it answers some of the questions that I personally struggle with. Here's one of the things that I really, when it comes to the Proverbs, often one of the first questions I ask myself is, is this actually true? Are the Proverbs actually true? Because it starts off in some of, the, some of what we will hear quickly in the video that we might read as promises don't always add up. So does wisdom always equal long life and prosperity? Well, it seems to say that it does, and yet if I look at the reality of our lives and our situations, it doesn't always. And so sometimes when I read Proverbs, I find myself in this tension going, I, I like what I'm reading, but is it actually true? And so as I watched this video, it actually began to address some of those questions, and I think it would just be great to, to watch for eight minutes, and then I'm just going to touch base on a few things that I think are important for us to consider in terms of wisdom, and then we will uh, head on our Okay, May, am I a nerd or was that not cool? I, I think that is just so good. And again, it, it, out of a desire to, to even uh, to support you as a, as a church and to resource you, um, I think these are great opportunities for you to check in on. So again, um, Bible Project, if you go and you look it up, you can look up several, I don't think all, but I think you can look up several books of the Bible and it gives a synopsis just like this for each one of them. And it's a great tool to get a perspective. And today, specifically as we're talking about wisdom, great way to get a perspective on Proverbs, uh, which we know and understand as wisdom literature. Um, one, a couple of things that I really appreciated, again, just the distinction between um, uh, how did you describe it? They're not promises, they're probabilities. 
And I found that super helpful just from my own understanding of how do we understand wisdom literature? How do we understand Proverbs? They're not necessarily promises, but they are probabilities if you choose to live your life in such a way. Um, I think I really also appreciated the fact that Proverbs has to be seen in the context of all of the wisdom literature. And so we read this, but then we also look into the book of Ecclesiastes and other books that, that inform us, again, as he said, that life is far too big and far too complicated to just default into formulas or formulaic thinking, um, which, again, I find super helpful because our faith is not formulaic. Our faith is relational. Our faith is uh, in relationship uh, to God, and so it's not formulaic. Uh, we are going to just jump into this, and again, I hope it, don't read it, because you're going to get to see all the good stuff. All right. Uh, observations on wisdom. Again, there is so much uh, in the wisdom liter- literature that, that I was just sort of overwhelmed with, what do I even say? How do I even move in a direction that's helpful for, for all of us to walk away with, with something other than just reading all of the Proverbs, which you can do on your own. So I thought I just would maybe comment on a few observations and then, uh, and then uh, conclude again perhaps with that prayer. So observations on wisdom. Before we go there, one of the very first uh, passages of Scripture that I learned uh, as a new Christian was actually Proverbs 3, uh, 5 and 6. Anyone know that off the top of their head? Someone said it. What's that? Yeah. Yes. I'll just repeat it. That's amazing. Uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. I had a great youth pastor who knew that something like that was important for a young Christian to learn early on in life. Uh, The fuller uh, picture of that, one to six, it says, my son... And it's perfectly fine to replace it with my daughter or my child. Do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. There's that probability again, but not promise. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. And then he goes on to talk about, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. So right away, the very first observation is that true wisdom comes from God. Uh, That might seem really obvious in a room uh, like this, but this is actually uh, completely uh, against the grain of our culture and our society today. Uh, If you were to say, well, I think wisdom comes from God in a group of people of non-belief, I'm tempted to say that that they might look at you like you're crazy. Because we are living in an age where we are wise in our own eyes. And dare I say that even those of us who would call ourselves Christians, and we won't raise our hand on this, although I might, when when we are not sure what we should do, when we are not sure what we should say, when we're uncertain in circumstances, how many of even us with a paradigm of faith 
we'll still spend a lot of time mulling it over on our own and maybe even consulting other people and maybe even looking to wisdom from other places before we actually go back to God himself and the scriptures that inform us because what the scripture is very, very clear about is that true wisdom comes from God. We are living in, in a day where uh, I use the term meta-narrative a lot, uh, but just the idea that, that, that especially young people today, but I believe it's true you know, even in generations higher, are living without a perspective of faith. They are living without a perspective of God in their lives. And, and when God is not part of your paradigm, when God is not part of your thinking, uh, then wisdom obviously has to come from yourself. Where else would it come? It might come from myself. It might come from a good book. It might come from a good speaker. But it certainly doesn't come from God. And so right away, uh, for those of us who call ourselves Christians and are followers of the way and followers of Jesus, we recognize that true wisdom comes from God. And this is why James actually says to us, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask, and God will give freely. Which takes us to their next point. It's available to everyone. This is really, really, really good news. Uh, Wisdom is not just for a certain elite class of people. Wisdom uh, is not just the person with the microphone. Uh, Wisdom is not just the person that's written the most books on how to live a good life. What the scripture tells us is that wisdom is available to everybody. If you want to be wise, if you are needing to make wise decisions, God says to you, ask, and I'll give it to you. So every single person in this room and every single person that asks God is capable of making wise decisions. That's really good news to me. That's really good news because I think a lot of the time we do sort of relegate the whole idea of wisdom to people who are somewhat smarter than us or know more than us or have written more than us. And the reality is that wisdom is available to everybody because it comes from God. And all we have to do is ask. Here's a really, really, really important one, I believe, particularly in today's day and age. It is discerning, but it is not judgmental. Has anyone ever wondered why the tree that God told Adam and Eve not to eat from was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And then it even says, the enemy actually says to them, well, God just knows that if you eat it, you're going to be like him. And so, so go ahead, because when you eat it, you're going you're to be just like God. And so there's a temptation to, to go ahead and eat. And, and the question of what is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I think theologians have been asking that for years in terms of what it actually was. So the question then is begged, uh, is it wrong to know the difference between good and evil. If they were forbidden to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, is it wrong then to have the knowledge of good and evil? 
And so one of the really, really, uh, I think, important parts of this is that there are actually two different ways that the New Testament uses the word judge. Um, there is a judgment which God says, this is reserved for me. Only I am allowed to make judgments, and this particularly relates to people. There is nowhere in the scriptures, particularly in the New Testament, in the teachings of Jesus, that gives Christians permission to judge other people. It's just not there. And yet, again, I believe that often the church is accused of judging other people. And what Jesus says is that what you need to do is you need to be people of love and leave the judging to me. That's my job. But then there's another word where it talks about where judging is about discerning. And this is discernment, again, between right and wrong. It's discernment between whether something is kingdom or not kingdom. It's discerning of whether something is good or bad. But as sort of as a general statement, I would say um, it's, it's perfectly fine to discern right and wrong, good and evil, kingdom, not kingdom. But it is never right, nor are we ever given permission to judge another human being in any sense of finality or... or or of a pushing down, so to speak. And I think that's a really, really important distinction uh, that we are called to be discerning of things, but never judging of people. Back to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I think part of that, I heard someone say that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was actually the tree of I'll decide for myself what's right and wrong. And that was really helpful to me as well. Because what it, what it was, was it was humanity trying to step into the, the role of God and, and say, hey, I'll do the judging here. I'll decide who's good and bad. I'll decide who's right and wrong. And, and that was actually the sin, that they stepped into a role that, that exclusively belonged to God when God again said, you should do the loving and I will do the judging. So we can discern things. We can discern circumstances but we can never judge people. We steward it, but we don't own it. I don't believe that the scripture teaches us that once we have wisdom, it's ours and we are forever wise. I think what the scripture teaches us is that true wisdom comes from God. When we ask for it, he gives it to us freely, but then we need to steward it, but we don't own it. I think the distinction is that if we're stewarding something, we need to continually go back to the one who has given us permission to steward it and continue to seek it. So that wisdom isn't something like, I've arrived, I have wisdom, and now I'll go live out wisdom. It's a continual return to the one who has given us that, that wisdom in the first place and seeking it over and over and over again. And I think probably what we see the whole idea of pride comes before the fall, is that we see a lot of people, a lot of leaders who become prideful in their own wisdom, in their own way, in their own sense of power, whatever it might be, 
and and then it becomes corrupt and it goes off course. And I think we've all seen our fair share of leaders that have that have gotten off track. Um, and so wisdom is ours to steward. God gives it, but we don't have we we can't just say it's mine. I own it, uh, and therefore. Uh, therefore, I, I carry it with me for the rest of my life. Uh, it is nurtured over time. Um, for the sake of time, I'll go to the next point because it's a dot, dot, dot. And so we must slow down. Much of the wisdom literature talks about, just again in Proverbs 3, it says, Do not forget my teachings. Keep my commands in your heart. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. The language is, is one of is ongoing learning, ongoing study, ongoing receptivity to what God has for us in our lives. Uh, and I don't know about you, but it's really hard to have that ongoing relationship and receptivity of all that God has for my life when I'm moving at 100 miles per hour all the time. Am I alone in that? If we desire to have God's wisdom, to live in a day when we really need God's wisdom in the world around us, we have to learn to slow down. And not even, not even always. It doesn't mean that we can't continue to move at the pace uh, that our jobs require of us, or our families require of us. But if we're not finding the times and the spaces to actually slow down and to be quiet before God and to receive from God all that he desires for us, I believe it's, it's almost impossible to become a person of wisdom. When you think of, let me just ask you this question. Think of someone that you, that would come to mind of being wise. And I don't mean in a movie. Gandalf the White does not count. Think of someone that you think of being wise. Now, does your picture of them, and I don't know if this is the right question or not, but does your picture of them have them running? Or does your picture of them have, have them being present somewhere in some situation? I think wisdom isn't, isn't 100 miles per hour. It's so hard to be present and to, to connect with another human being and to know and to discern in a moment if you haven't slowed down to abide with the one who actually gives wisdom. We have to slow down. Straight out of James, uh, it is quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I feel like our culture is the exact opposite of this. We are slow to listen, quick to, quick to speak, and very quick to become angry. Is anyone on Twitter? Anyone live on the Twitter world? That's a toxic place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's not a, the, the platform isn't bad itself, but boy, is it hard these days to have any type of meaningful dialogue uh, where conversation and even debate happens in a civil way. No one wants to listen to anybody anymore, it seems like. 
And again, what the scripture and what the wisdom literature tells us is that we actually need to be quick. If we need to be quick about something, we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. I was listening to a speaker a couple weeks ago, and I don't know if he said it or if I was just inspired to write it. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's a truism, so it's probably not always true. But I wrote down, I said, in a day where everybody wants to be known for what they stand for, I'd much rather be known for someone who will sit and listen. And that paradigm comes from working with teenagers because what I know of young people, and actually what I know of people in general, is that people long to be heard. People long to be seen. People long to know that someone gives a rip. And so instead of just being in people's faces and telling them everything they need to, need to know, there's something actually beautiful about just sitting down with someone and listening. And I think we actually learn far more from our listening than we do from our talking. There's a time to speak, but we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. I think this is the last, well, there's a dot, 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 so it may not be the very last one. Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, and perfect love drives out fear. So the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. This goes back to that very countercultural idea that God is where wisdom comes from, and that fearing God is is the starting place. One of the things that I slightly, slightly disagreed with the video that we showed, what he said is that this is not about terror. Um, and the reality is my understanding of the scriptures and the language of the scriptures, it is, it is about reverence and it is about awe and it is about respect and it is about terror initially. It's the acknowledgement that he is God I am not. He is the creator of the universe. I am tiny and minuscule on this planet. And, and ultimately, I'm not, I'm not holding the cards. Our lives are, are ultimately in God's hands. And I think, again, as I'm sort of talking and, and thinking about our culture today, even within Christian circles, it's not, it's not in vogue to say that that it's good to be afraid of God. It's not in vogue to say that we should have fear of God. And I would, I would be tempted to say that that is true given our perspective of Jesus. But it says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, so this is countercultural. But then what we also learn is that perfect love drives out fear. And what we know about God is that God is perfect love. The Bible says, I am love. God is love. And so in our lives, the question of fear, my question for you would be, when you're living in fear, when there are things in your mind and in your heart and in your soul that bring fear, are you able to invite Jesus, who is love, into that space to drive out that fear? Because the beginning of wisdom, the fear of the Lord, is the beginning of wisdom. But perfect love drives out fear. 
And as those who have invited God into our lives, we have invited perfect love into our lives. And therefore, fear does not have to belong. And finally, it begins and ends with Jesus. Uh, That's kind of Sunday school, but I think it's still true. Um, If we want to truly know what it is to live and to rub shoulders with people in uh, our world today, um, we need to look to the life and example of Jesus. And we need to rely on his Holy Spirit within us um, to give us the wisdom that we need. Uh, again, as I was preparing this week, I just kept thinking, of, I mean, we are, we are in the midst of, I'm going to say it, I'm going to use the C word, the coronavirus. I mean, this, uh, and, I, and I don't want to be, and I certainly don't want to belittle it, because, because it is. It's a global uh, phenomenon. I'm not sure that it's an epidemic. I don't think anyone's called it a pandemic yet. Boy, when you listen to the news, there is just, and it's not just corona, it's, it's ongoing. You should be afraid, you should be afraid, you should be afraid. Fear dominates 24-hour news. It really moves us into a place of it. And I guess fear sells. Um, but what we're invited into is something far different. And so again, as I was preparing, I just thought, Boy, do we ever need to slow down? Do we ever need to turn to God to discern and to know how to live, how to listen, and how to speak into this world around us? It is, I believe, the way of Jesus is so countercultural in so many ways. And yet, I believe when we, when we live like Jesus, as people of love, as people of grace, as people who are present in the moment, as people who listen, as people who see other people as genuine human beings that matter just as much as you do, if not more, there's something deeply profound about how that resonates with those around us. There is a time and there is a place, and I am one who, who takes some pretty strong stands on lots of things. Um, but I think today, again, as we look at the wisdom literature that we have, uh, we need to so desperately be returning to God and asking for that discernment to know how we live and behave uh, in our world today. It begins and ends with Jesus. It comes from God. And we need to slow down enough uh, to be present and to know his presence in our lives and how we can then be present in other people's lives. Let me just read to you again, as, as I did at the beginning, that prayer. And again, if you'd like, uh, feel free to close your eyes. Feel free to take any posture you'd like. But take a moment to just breathe deeply. Slow down. Eternal friend, 
grant me an ease to breathe deeply of this moment, this light, this miracle of now. Beneath the din and fury of great movements and harsh news and urgent crises, make me attentive still to good news, to small occasions, and the grace of what is possible for me to be, to do, to give, to receive, that I may miss neither my neighbor's gift nor my enemy's need. Precious Lord, grant me a sense of humor that adds perspective to compassion, gratitude that adds persistence to courage, quietness of spirit that adds irrepressibility to hope, openness of mind that adds surprise to joy, that with gladness of hearts I may link arm and aim with the one who saw signs of your kingdom in salt and yeast, pearls and seeds, travelers and tax collectors, sowers and harlots, foreigners and fishermen, and who opened my eyes with these signs and my ears with the summons to follow to something more of justice and joy.